Good morning, everyone. Would you like to take your seats and we shall begin? So for the past um, week, uh, we've been looking at the, the topic of worshipping and what it means to be a worshipper. Um, and this is a, a five-part series. So this, good to see you all. I didn't realize that I just jumped straight in there. Good to see you all. For anybody who doesn't know me, my name's Colin and I'm the pastor here. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Um, so we're starting to look at worship. Um, is it just me or whenever we're worshiping, does it feel like there's an awful lot more people? Yeah. It's a, no, it's either, I was talking to Lorna last week and I said, well, it's either one of two things. It's either acoustics or it's angelic. But it feels, I mean, maybe it can be both. Both is happening at the same time, as Forrest Gump would say. Um, so uh, this is an incredible journey that we want to go on. It's an exciting journey. We should be finding that every time that we're encountering him, that I, I mean, let, who knows where this could go. Sometimes it feels a little bit like we're that little small per- person standing in front of this massive wave that's about to crash. And sometimes you get a little bit of spray. Sometimes you get a little splash. And sometimes you get completely, completely smashed and consumed. Has anybody got that t-shirt before? So I'm going through a series of five messages on becoming a worshipper or on about, about worship. And this week we're looking at becoming worshippers. So Dennis Burns, who's a translocal leader with us, um, he authored these. Um, so it's a real pleasure for me to go through them. And there's a lot of gold. So, so bear with me as we go through. So last week, um, where's, let's see if I can get my first. Oh, my clicker's not working today. There we go. This is a process of becoming. I want to preface what we're going to talk about today by saying that I think for most of us, we assume that we're computers when it comes to all things spiritual. So it's a simple download and then you've got it. Well, that's not my experience. It's not been my experience in any other part of life. Um, and nor should it be the same with things to do with God. So this is a process of becoming. Vincent van Gogh, everybody knows the sunflowers. Yes, did you know that he was a lay preacher? Mm -hmm. He went a little bit mad at the end and lost an ear. Um, But he was quite a profound guy. And he said when asked, uh, tell me, Vincent, are your pictures going to be any, will they be different whenever you're older? He said, no, 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 it's the same apple, only riper. So this whole process is about us ripening and us maturing. So strap yourself in. So we want to consider first what are God's needs. We maybe don't think that way. But God has, God has needs um, as we're worshiping him. And I'm going to read from John 4, uh, verse 21 to 24, if you want to follow with me. Woman, Jesus said, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. So from that we get that God is looking for a kind of worshipper. So if there is a kind, just at, like the, just at the start, God made the animals after their own kind. So there is a kind of worshiper that he's looking for. And in some ways it's quite narrow. It's in spirit and it's in truth. It's not in pretense and it's not in soul. It's in spirit and it's in truth. We can only worship what we know. If we are worshiping what we don't know, that's called religion. So do you know him? I've poked at that several times. Pookie, pookie, pookie. Do you know him? 
Do you know what he's like? Do you know what he likes? Do you know what he loves? Do you know what he doesn't like? He's looking for those who are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. He's seeking worshipers. And have you responded? So he's basically going, I'm looking for this. Can you say, here I am. We want to be those type of people. And to what degree is he worthy of worship from you? What's he worth? Is he worth just a little bit? Is he worth just a kind of here? Or is he worth it all? So what is meant um, by worshiping in spirit and in truth? Well, we can't fake it. It's either real or it's not. We, well, we can try to fake it. We, and that would be then for everybody else. That, you know, if we stand, I was thinking, you know, you could assume that, you know, most Sunday mornings I will be standing like this, like this. Uh, sometimes I just stand and, and it would seem that not very much is going on, but I'm just engaged with them. Um, that can look like a pretense to you, but I assure you it's not for me, nor does it matter if it looks like a pretense to you because we're worshiping for an audience of one. If we're doing it for others, then well, it's a pretense. So he's looking for us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Because God is spirit, what we give him needs to initiate from our spirits. This is a spirit-to-spirit connection. And what we find when there's a spirit-to-spirit connection is there is spiritual formation and growth. And it blesses God. He wants to connect with us. Are you a bit like me? You kind of, it's a bit like when it comes, you're thinking about God, you remove the fact that he is also a person, that there are things that uh, make him smile and make him happy and are a pleasure and a blessing to him. So when we come and we worship him without pretense and not out of our soul, that blesses him as well. And we don't get to decide how we worship God. He decides and we submit. You can balk at that if you like but that's not going to go too well for you. He's God. So we worship him as he asks. The original word for truth is alethes, or alethes, or however you pronounce it, which literally means to be unconcealed. So to worship in spirit, we want to connect to him spirit to spirit, but we want to worship in truth. We want to reveal ourselves. Come out of hiding. When we come... (laughs) You all right there? When we come to worship him, we want to be able to be honest about where we're at. If you're in a place of, I'm just hurting, or in a place of, I'm sore today, or this has happened, or whatever your stuff is, or I'm in a great place today, we want to lift the veil. We want to come out of hiding, and we want to worship him as we are, as he is, if that makes sense. Let me read uh, from 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So let's lift the veil. He knows it anyway, but it's important for you to be able to go, this is where I'm at. The amount of times where I'm standing with him and I to say, yeah, I kind of have that and I really have that and I'm not feeling that. And sometimes I have this sense that he just smiles at me and goes, yep. And then we're done and off we go because it's important that I just remove that out of the way. So let's lift the veil and worship him in spirit and in truth. 
Psalm 15, verses 1 to 2. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one who walks in integrity, who does what is righteous and speaks the truth from their heart. Claire, my wife, who you all know, uh, she and I, over the past uh, 10 or 11 years, have been going on a journey of being, I suppose, increasingly honest with each other. Not that we had any major secrets, but uh, there's one time that sticks out really clearly to me. It was uh, uh, several months ago, and I was just getting really frustrated and really getting angry just at Claire. And uh, we, I took a bit of time away, and then I came back up and I said, do you know this is what's going on with me? And she went, okay, that makes sense. Because I, I humbled myself, Remember, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Have you found that when people are honest with you, there can be situations that are just really irritating you, and all of a sudden they'll go, actually, this is where I'm at. How do you feel at that moment? Normally you go, oh, that makes total sense. Just relaxes. So as we come into truth, as we come into self-awareness, as we come to understand who he is and who we are, then we can lift the veil lift anything that conceals who we really are and be honest because he loves us. If you're sitting scared to tell him uh, what it is that's going on with you, then you're believing a lie. The truth is that he loves you and knows it all anyway. So what is the truth in regard to Jesus? These are um, Sunday School 101s, but so important. Is Jesus the Christ? Yes, he is. Can I have agreement on that? Um, Do you love him? Well, yes, I do, and it seems like a lot of you do too. Are you ashamed of him? Now, the answer to that may be in some areas you are. In front of some people, you are. Let's be truthful and go, okay, there are some areas, God, where actually, let me be honest, I'm actually a little bit ashamed. I don't want to be like that. You're not ashamed of me. I, am, I want to tell the truth. And then, is Jesus worthy to be worshipped by you with abandon? Now, that doesn't have to look a particular way. As we go through this this morning, I'm going to highlight some biblical uh, ways of physically expressing yourself. But is he worthy of your abandon? Is he worthy of your all? Okay, let's keep going. So what's the result of worship offered in spirit and in truth? Well, John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So you're going to experience personal freedom. And then you're going to experience physical freedom because we are an integrated whole. We are one person. We are created um, of uh, bone, flesh, and blood. We've got a soul, which is uh, mind, will, and emotions. And we have a spirit that is wisdom, communion, and conscious. But we are in one package. This is Colin Woodward contained in one package. I can't, as uh, I used last week from first night, Sean Connery said to Sir Lancelot, I cannot love people in slices. So we cannot slice ourselves up. Have any of you met anybody from Holland before? Have you noticed that they all sound like Sean Connery? Hello, that seems to be the way it is when we're from somewhere like, uh, no, nobody's with me? No? I met a, a gentleman one time, photographed him, and his name looked like pineapples, and I said, is your name pineapples? And he said, yes, it's pineapples, because they all speak like this. Yes, you with me? So as Sean Connery said, you cannot love people in slices. So we are an integrated whole, and as we get personal freedom, then we're going to find that that's going to be outworked as we worship. We're going to feel a bit more at ease. We're not going to be so aware of Andrew standing beside me. Although one time when he was worse than me, I think poked me in the eye and slapped me in the face. A little too abandoned there. Uh, But we want to find our liberty. Do you want to find your liberty? 
Do you like feeling awkward and confined? Is it an enjoyable process for you? No, it's not for me either. I want to find my liberty. I want to be able to be myself without being, well, I am Colin Woodward and I do not worship like that. I want to be able to be free to worship him as he deserves. So some pitfalls to be avoided when we're worshiping. We uh, should not be worshiping solely for our own pleasure and benefit. There are many, many uh, pleasures and benefits to be found as we worship him, but that should not be our primary reason. And we should not be worshiping for the emotional buzz, although there are some wonderful emotional buzzes, but that need not be our primary goal. And in our culture, I don't think many of us would, but maybe someday we are not worshiping to be able to show off. If you see me, if every morning it was just like, well, that's what our pastor does. Just, just needs to get in his groove, and that's, that's how Colin does it. And uh, I, I don't think that would impress anybody. Would it impress you? Uh, but if you are worshiping the show off, then that's not what this is about, and I, I think that you all know that anyway. And the bottom line of worship is that uh, Jesus said when he was asked, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The bottom line is Jesus and the Father and the presence of the Spirit. Worshipping Jesus is the doorway to the Father. He is the truth. You will meet the person of Jesus Christ. He is the way. He will show you how to live your life. And you will find life itself. You will find the life that he promised. John 10, 10, part B. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life in all its fullness. And the word life literally means the zoe life, which is life as God knows it. Does anybody else want to experience life as God knows it? Do you ever get a glimpse of his perspective on things? We think that nothing's happening, but then God will lift the veil. See what I'm doing there? Lift the veil on your circumstances. Oh my goodness, is that what was going on there? I thought it was just a boring Sunday afternoon. So we want to know life as God knows it. Okay. So why and how do we worship? Love to be loved has to be expressed We want to give him everything that we've got. We haven't really been uh, discipled in that way. The way we've been discipled is that normally we just come and we sing, but we want to be abandoned to him. And worship is, of course, in our private lives, but it's also in the, the public assembly of the church. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, in short, give him all you've got. Okay, we're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 6. I'll give you a little second to find it. This is, this is a great passage and probably be very familiar to you. So, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14. Wearing a linen ephod, David, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. While he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and with the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. When David returned home to bless his household, this is verse 20. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked and in full view of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. I think she's being slightly sarcastic. 
David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. We worship for an audience of one. David said, in my own eyes, I will be humiliated. So we worship for an audience of one. So let's look at some uh, biblical expressions of worship. Um, So firstly, we'll have singing, which is a fairly obvious one. Ephesians 5 verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Kneeling, Psalm 95 verse 6, come let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Standing, well we all stand when we worship. Have you ever noticed that sometimes um, whenever we sit down, we tend to disengage ourselves? Have you ever felt that? That's why, you know, when it comes to the, the time when we're all talking to each other, let's get everybody to stand. Well, we're all doing it in unity. There's unity in, in, in the house. Uh, but also, we're engaged. We're standing up. Some mornings when I, I get up to pray, I'll stand. Because if I sit down, I may fall asleep. But when I stand, I, I, I'm just, I'm up and I'm ready. It's also a position. We are standing our ground. This is from Psalm 135, verses 1 to 3. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Have any of you been to Africa? They say hallelujah, and the people go hallelujah. Hallelujah, amen. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Let's be those type of people. Uh, Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, O servants of the Lord. You who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is gracious and lovely. So let me encourage you, whenever uh, it comes to the end and there's opportunity to respond, uh, make a response for some ministry, if you're still here in the body, stay standing. Just because you're up here, granted when you come up here, there's intention and you're coming up for ministry and I would encourage you all to do that. But if you're going to be down there, stay standing. Stay engaged, unless of course you've got some physical issues, then that would just be really silly. But stay standing, stay engaged. It's an act of worship. Okay, lifting hands. Psalm 63, verse 4. So will I, bl- I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. It's, an, it's a, a stance of openness. If I am standing, I'm very conscious that I will rarely worship like this because I'm restricting myself. I am an integrated whole. So if I stand like this. Now, sometimes it can be a, a, a quite a liberated stance of worship, but oftentimes when people have arms folded or arms crossed like this, it's a barrier. So as we lift up our hands and open our body language, it opens us up. Clapping and instruments. Where are we at with clapping? Are we okay with clapping? Can we deal with that? Psalm 47, verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, old people. Shout to God with the voice, the, the voice of joy. And seamlessly on to shouting. How are we at with shouting? You're good with shouting? That's great. Anybody else? We mm, don't know about that. Cover my mic. I find great liberty going, yeah! Just, this does, works for me. It's biblical. You can come and say, I find you a little bit loud and distracting. With all due respect, get over it. I'm worshiping him. 
uh, at times as well, when there's, then there's that shout and celebration and clapping, it's obvious that the presence of the Lord is increasing among us. He is enthroned on the praises of his people. So as we corporately worship him together in spirit and in truth, week on week, it ramps up. More and more, he is here. So when he's here, let's be liberated. Now, if all I did was shout, you could say, come on, all you do is shout. But you find that sometimes I'm just standing. Sometimes my hands are up. Sometimes I'm rocking. Sometimes there's a wee jig. We have a friend who we say popcorns. Just sort of dance the way that he does things. But find your liberty of expression. Dancing. Seamlessly from popcorn dancing to dancing biblically. Psalm 149 verse 3. Let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praises to him with timbrel and lyre. So if you want to dance, you feel free to do that. A new song. Sing to him a new song. We have touched that a little bit. There are times when Nathan says, okay, let's sing this out. Let's go off what we know. Let's go off the known road. And as he does that, that's quite exciting because we want to sing a new song to the Lord. Zephaniah 3 verse 17, is that anybody's special verse? The Lord will rejoice over you with singing. He loves that. So why wouldn't we sing back to him? This is the uh, very exciting. We, we absolutely believe in, and it's biblical, that we should be using spiritual gifts in worship. So the first one we're going to talk about is spoken and sung prophecy. In Joel 2.28, um, it says, And afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And then 1 Corinthians 14.31, For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. It's biblical, it's okay, and there's an order of doing it. We're going to start to introduce what we call corporate prophetic, which is at the end of worship, we're going to give God an opportunity to speak. We don't want to just stop it. If you've noticed at the end of our worship, we don't just go, great job, thanks Nathan, the band, well done everybody, sit down. If God is enthroned on the praises of his people, do we believe that? It's okay if you don't. It's true. As we worship him, he comes. Is he a God who speaks? So why wouldn't we give him space to speak? Corinthians talks about that there's an order for it, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. So at the end of worship, over the next number of weeks, what we're going to do is um, ask the Lord to come and speak to his people through his people so that we can be instructed and we can be encouraged. I love this verse. Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So anytime that we are testifying about Jesus in our lives or who he is or whatever, it is the spirit of prophecy. Have you ever been listening to someone as they tell you about what God's been doing in their lives? And it's like, just start your engines turning. Is that a good way to communicate it? You just feel like, I don't know. I think it was one time I was sitting with Carol and she was talking about something. And as she was testifying about Jesus, just the engines just... uh, I'm, you start looking around the coffee shop going, oh, yeah, well, yeah, we're meeting at half ten, and you look like a person who knows. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And when you prophesy, you're revealing the heart of God to an individual or a body for a specific time and for a specific season. That's exciting. Does that get anybody else? We want to be in a place where, okay, 
God's going to speak, and he does speak. And sometimes it's through song. Uh, have you heard a prophetic song? And most of you maybe have. Nothing quite like it. Now, if you can't sing, please don't. <laughs> it will not bless us. If you can, then you want to find your liberty to do that. When we want to do it in order, so we will lead that time. But that's an exciting uh, part of, of who we are and who we want to be. In worship, we tell him who he is. It's objective, okay? We tell him who he is, no matter how we feel or what our life experiences are. But also, it can be subjective in that there's a particular time and a season in your life where you're starting to understand him as the father or the shepherd or the healer or the counselor or whatever it is. You're starting to see a facet of the diamond of who he is. There may be a song of the season. Again, I was talking to someone during the week and they were like, that song, that song. Every time I listen to that song, I'm right there. There's a a song by Bethel at the minute that I must have played easily 40 to 50 times. And maybe coming to the end of it, but it just does it for me. It just just talks about the more that we seek him, the more that we find him. I'm going to ride that thing out for as long as it takes because that's where I am right now, okay? But the other thing about worship is we do not want to be subjective to how we feel. So if you're not, I'm not feeling that this morning. Didn't really feel worship this morning. It's not about you. You want to bring your sacrifice of praise. I'm not feeling the very best this morning. But I am going to get on with what I'm called to do. And he is going to get my very best. And that's my sacrifice of praise. If you're not feeling it, get over yourself. Step up. It's not about how you feel. Um, I, I had a, a circumstance happen quite recently to me, and uh, I got wonderful news. And uh, as I got the wonderful news, I felt utterly depressed. What's that about? Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Now, I lived a life that was very yielded to emotions. So therefore, uh, 10 to 15 years ago, I would have gone, oh, that must mean that there's something going on. Well, it can't be right. Well, that's, that's what I'm feeling. Therefore, that, that must be how it is. Well, I know a little bit more now. So I took myself and work into uh, a, 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 our changing room. So at least I was, uh, it was private. And I got before God and I said, God, I'm feeling like this in truth and in spirit. Lifted the veil. I'm feeling like this. What's going on? And he showed me really clearly that actually those emotions were uh, from a time ago that hadn't been quite healed yet. Your emotions will play the wrong part of the soundtrack of the film of your life at the wrong time. So if I put up a picture of my children and put on some sad music, you'd be going, what's happened to them? What's, what's the end of this story? If I put on some music that was, be like, oh, this is a good story. Stop letting your emotions rule what's going on. Take it to him. Sometimes your emotions will be telling you, actually, you need to notice here. This is a a little light on the dashboard of of who you are. You need to take notice here. Other times, they're just not telling the truth. So don't be subjective. Let's be objective and worship him. We should come into his presence. um, I've missed out one again. We should come into his presence with thankfulness. Sometimes we maybe don't feel it, but are we meant to be yielded to how we feel? The answer to that question is no, we are not. So we come with the key of thankfulness and we enter into his presence. A number of years ago, um, I had a dream. I have a dream. And in that dream, uh, this uh, 
gentleman said to me, uh, the enemy wants you to take up the shield of ungratefulness again. And then I woke up and went, what? What do you mean? You know the way you get a wee bit offended. What do you mean, the shield of ungratefulness? But as I thought about it, actually, that is exactly what I had been doing. I didn't understand that there was a shield of ungratefulness. But now that I say that, doesn't that make total sense? If you come in to a situation or into worship and you have a stance of ungratefulness in your heart, you're likely going to get nothing and give nothing. But if you come with, thank you. If, you. if you are struggling with things, that's well and fine. You come and you lift the veil and say, I am struggling. I am really struggling to see the good in this. But you are good. How many times do you recognize what God is doing in your life and say he's teaching you about trusting him and it all goes horribly wrong? Trusting him about finances. And what do you know? The dog needs help from the vet, costs a couple hundred quid. Your car decides to blow up. Your dishwasher packs in. Your children need this for school. And there's an unexpected bill that comes along. And you're like, but I'm just learning about trusting him with my finances. Hello. That's what he does. So as we start to stand and go, regardless of this exterior circumstance, regardless of this interior feeling, you are good. You are always going to give me everything that I need. You are, your grace is enough. It is enough. Regardless of whether you feel it or not, believe it, his grace is enough. So we come into his presence because we have a lot to be thankful for, do we not? So let's stand together. Can I get the guys from the band up? Psalm 71, verse 14. But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. So we want to go on this journey where we are worshiping all the time. We are worshiping with our lives privately and when we're with others and how we act and how we serve and how we live before him. And we want to worship corporately together. So whenever we worship, what we can expect will happen is the presence of the Lord will come. We can expect that the direction of the Lord for us as a church and for our lives will be revealed. There will be a prophetic spirit among us. And if you've never prophesied, well, you might just find that that might happen. The provision of the Lord will be supplied. His grace is enough. Let me read from Acts 16, 25. But about midnight when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God and the prisoners were listening to them, suddenly... There was a great earthquake so powerful that the very foundations of the prison were shaken. And all at once, all the doors were opened and everyone's chains fell off. So the provision of the Lord will be supplied as we become worshippers. And the power of the Lord will be applied to our lives. Does that sound like a plan? So if I was reading, while I was reading through that list of things uh, that are biblical uh, ways to worship, if at any point you thought, oh, that's not me, let's just hold that thought captive. Because with all due respect, we don't know who we're becoming. When my daughter was a little baby, we, uh, on her birthday, sang happy birthday to her and she was terrified. At that point, we didn't go, we don't sing that for Anna because she's terrified. She's eight years old, or seven years old now, when it comes to her birthday, that's her favorite bit. 
So don't despise some of those things. Oh, I could never shout. Oh, I would never kneel. Oh, I would never lift my hands. Oh, I would never do that. With all due respect, you don't know what is possible. You don't know the fullness of who you are. And we want to worship him with all we've got because he is worth it. So as always, there's a response. So here's some questions to help you to consider that response. Do you primarily worship God for his need or for yours? Are you liberated to express in a variety of ways? And do you have an increasing desire to worship Jesus more and more? If you can answer yes to any of those questions, then please come and join me now at the front. So as always, we're going to worship for a time and then the team are going to minister. So come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence among us. We know that it takes you to worship you. So we ask you to come.